doesn't matter what comes fresh goes better in life with Mentos fresh and full of life. Nothing gets to you staying fresh, staying cool with Mentos fresh and full of life. Hello, my name is Matt Silverman. I'm here in the chat with the one and only Colette Bennett. Hello. What I want to know is if you sit here and think about what the intro is going to be, or does that literally come to you the minute that the music stops? Look, magicians do not reveal the, the how their tricks are made, <laughs> the secrets behind them. And podcasters, if I were to tell you that, the magic, the mystique of how this show is you, made is gone. I and I think you come up with it on the spot. No, this is like two weeks of research, Okay. <laughs> I got to make sure it flows. I got to rehearse it in the mirror. It's a lot of prep. All right. All right. How are you doing? I'm excellent. I am very happy to be here today. You're well rested. I'm really well rested. I was just telling Matt pre-podcast that I got a 10 hours of sleep multiple days last week because I was on vacation and it was uh, That's, a, mm, it was a mm. joy. It was a true joy. Once we had children, I started to realize that like, I will, I can never, I will never access that again. Like, it's just impossible to do. That's and what I all my friends that so. have kids say. They're always like, oh no, yeah. no, no more. Like, cause like you, you think when you get beaten up by lack of sleep or kids or whatever that like, oh, on Saturday, I'll just catch up. No, and what cause you they're going to be up at seven or five or whatever. And, yeah. Like, yeah. and it's not, and you can put the TV on and they can go away, but you have already been awoken and right. you, you, it's not the same yeah. as what you just did. Yeah. So I, I, God bless you. I think that's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh jealous, jealous. Don't worry um, when I'm old and dying, there'll be no one to take care of me. So then you'll be glad you had children. <laughs> <laughs> Social security will be there. Oh, wait, no, no, that's another, that's another, that's another discussion. Uh, Colette and I are here for the chat. It's a weekly conversation about video games, but today it's a very special episode. We are so excited because Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. We are not I'm literally alone. never, ever going to get over that sample. Right? I thought there were better clips where Mulder says that, but I could not find them. So that's the best we've got. Uh, um, and Scully, so, did, you just, did you just like insult Dana no, Scully no, 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 no. on the air? No, not, not at all. And I, wanna, I do want to correct the record. <laughs> I know that that's Scully. Well, I was, I was hoping on the internet somewhere would be Mulder saying the words, we are not alone because he had discovered something. But like that, I guess that doesn't exist. I don't know. It's the best I could do. Okay. We are not alone. Anyway, (laughs) we are not alone in this universe and we are not alone in this podcast because we have an extremely special guest. Uh, It is our pleasure to welcome Stuart Duncan. Uh, He is the creator of a very special Minecraft server called Autcraft. He's here to tell us all about it. Welcome, Stuart. Wow, extremely special. Thank you. That's, <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to be here, especially with greetings like that. Well, may, dare I say that uh, the server and me learning of the existence of it, for that matter, is very special. Um, I was really excited to to talk to you today and to have you on. Well, I I love to talk about it, so <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to hear about it. First, first point of 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 order here: Have you all heard of this game uh, called Minecraft? Uh, it's very popular. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think you better 
Better fill in. <laughs> <laughs> fill in the listeners. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Stuart, um, start from the beginning and, and share with us. Uh, we, know, we know the backstory here, but for, for us and our listeners as a jumping off point, like what, what happened here and, and what is the origin story of, of Autocraft? So my, I have two kids. I'm a dad too. I have two kids, so I know what it's like to not get any sleep. and um my my oldest son my first child uh was very different obviously it was tough call because when you have one kid you don't know what's different but it was pretty obvious to me and so i asked and asked and asked and eventually he was diagnosed with autism and i actually uh noticed a lot of similarities in my own life and later on i was diagnosed with autism too uh so i was writing i decided to write i was i wanted to get into blogging and i was writing about autism and from his point of view from my point of view um being different from a father's point of view instead of like most moms were bloggers and i developed Mm -hmm. quite a readership from that and uh I, i built a community around that and about 2012 that's when uh, Minecraft came out for the Xbox 360 and every everybody was playing it. And at the same time, it was getting really, really big on YouTube with, uh, you know, several YouTubers playing the game, doing Let's Plays and all these kids watching it, wanting to be a part of a community like they were. And and so a lot of kids were, were joining public servers and my small community being an autism community, I started hearing from parents of autistic children, first of all, you know, jokingly frustrated because their kids would not stop talking about Minecraft. They were watching it on YouTube. They were playing it. They were talking about it at school. They were buying, you know, the merchandise, just nonstop Minecraft. And they were frustrated, but in a good way. But then into 2013 that that turned into a real very real frustration because their kids were being bullied on the servers that they were trying to play on they were being like outright trolled um the the really bad kids would hone in on their frustrations and make the game basically unplayable for them and the kids would get extremely mad and the parents felt totally powerless and i just heard more and more and more of this until i decided that i had to try and and help in some way um I was a web developer at the time, so I knew technology, I knew servers, I I figured I, I love the game and I can do the technical aspect, I'll try and set up a server. How hard could it be? And so I <laughs> called it Hotcraft and told, uh, told my Facebook friends about it and the rest is history. Wow. What year was that, may I ask? That was 2013. It, it went live in June 2013. Wow. So Almost nine years ago. Wow. Wow. And how, what is the current size of the server now? Um, we get about 1,200 unique players each month. Good Lord. But in total, our uh, it's a whitelisted server, right? So you have to apply and I have to add you to the oh, server to get on. That's how we nice. keep bullies out, right? right. Nobody can just, mm-hmm. just hop in. Um, our list of approved players is over 15,500 people from around the world. That's unbelievable. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I'm I'm just curious how much of your time you must spend so much. I mean, is this this is what you do full time? Yeah, yeah. I I wish I wish it was just full time. Forty hours would be amazing. (laughs) Right. Um, When it when it gets busy, next month will be an exceptionally busy month. Um, I generally do 16, 18 hours a day. Wow. Um, And I and I don't get days off. 
Because kids are coming out of school? Is that what's happening? Uh, kids are coming out of school. Um, it's going to be our ninth anniversary. It's my uh. birthday, which is a big deal for the players. Um, we have a pride <laughs> event each June. Um, cool. And and just, yeah, just kids getting out of school all around. Well, not around the world. In Australia, it's the middle of the school year for them. But <laughs> right. um, yeah, we, we just get really, really busy. So yeah, 365 days a year, I'm usually 14 to 18 hours a day, depending on how busy I am. Wow. 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 Well, yeah. Well, we, it, all the more reason we appreciate you spending uh, an hour and change here with us today. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, we're eager to to dive into the, the community and the mechanics of this server, but I would love to back up just a smidge and, and ask you about autism specifically, like your son's diagnosis and your own, you know, we understand it to be a spectrum or, or a more, you know, a more, uh, complex, uh, array of, of, uh, neurodiversity, like how autism exhibits in different ways for different people. So would, are you open to sharing how it, how it works for you and your son? Like how you, uh, perceive things differently? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for my son, it was, like I said, um, when you're a first time parent, you don't know what is, to be expected, what's normal, what's not. But um, my son, he would, you would give him like a whole bunch of not not Legos, but you know the bigger construction blocks because they're a kid, right? Duplos, du- yeah. Duplos. So you, you, I give him a bunch of those, and what he would do is um, move them block from block or block by block from like the right side of his body to his left side of his body until they were all moved mm-hmm. over. And then he would move them block by block to the, uh, back to the other side. And he'd just uh. shift them back and forth. Um, we gave him like cars and instead of playing with the cars, he would stand in front of the TV with one car in each hand and have them go past his face. I, I described it as a uh, Tai Chi. If you've ever seen people <laughs> doing Tai Chi in the garden yes. sort of thing. Yes. He, do, he did that. He would move his hands slowly across his eyes, back and forth, back and forth. And the fa- my family thought it was the funniest thing. But so, obviously, not what a typical child would do. Um, he he spoke a little bit later than most kids. Uh, he's still, to this day, he's 16 now, he still struggles, uh, struggles with some of his motor control skills. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he, he doesn't have the muscle mass of a 16 year old typical boy because he's just mm. not able to do a lot of those things. Mm. Um, growing up, he, he struggled with his fingers and we had an occupational therapist who tried to help him with that with like, you know, the elastic bands holding a pencil sort of thing. Um, I put a Wii remote in his hand <laughs> and loaded up Mario Kart. Because all you had to do was press one button and you could put it in a steering wheel. So all he had to do was hold the button with his thumb and turn his hands. And he developed better fine motor control skills playing Mm -hmm. Mario Kart on the Wii. Um, For me, I have a lot of like the sensory issues. So like I have to wear sunglasses, even if it's just an overcast day, it's just too bright. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds, I, I, if I go to a concert, like I have to have the earplugs or I am way in the back. <laughs> um, hmm. Just stuff like that. And then, of course, socializing. Like I still remember really dumb, offensive, awkward things that I said when I was like five and I feel horrible about. <laughs> like I'm in my 40s now, but it's still like it'll just be like two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> Haunting you. Yeah. Yeah. It never it's never going to go away. Um and, and like, I, I actually tweeted out just before the podcast that, you know, I've done so many interviews with 
ABC and Mashable and Good Morning America and all this sort of stuff. And then and then I've got like a podcast interview coming up and my stomach still gets it twisted in knots um. just beforehand. And it's because the autism never goes away, right? Like it's right. It's, a, it's a socializing thing. Like, am I going to be awkward? Am I going to say something I'm going to regret? Is it, am I going to have somebody come up to me like a week from now going, you never should have said that. That's terrible. Mm. Right. All these, all these things. And that's just how it is. And, you know, talk about being an awkward position where you start a thing and everybody wants to interview you. Oh, <laughs> right. oh God. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you, you have, uh, yeah. But, but you tell me if it's, it's not the same as being social or is it, how do you feel about it? It's, it's not the same as being social because when you're being social, it's small talk. It's the weather. Mm-hmm. It's how are you doing? Mm-hmm. What have you been up to? It's, it's, trying to figure out the mannerisms, the tone, the sarcasm, the innuendo, if somebody has that sort of sense of humor. Um, in, in, a, in an interview, I'm talking about probably I, I'm the only person qualified to talk about because I created this thing. So <laughs> right. I, I know the subject matter and I know what the answers are, even if I don't know what you're going to ask me. So yes, I have a whole lot more confidence about it. But if we were just to like get together over coffee or something and you guys were just going to talk to me about whatever, I'd be like, mm, I think I'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. A- except, I don't know. I really, I relate very deeply to a lot of things you're saying, because if we met up for coffee, I- I'm not interested in the weather. I'm interested in the cool thing you do. And that might be an amazing Minecraft server. Maybe you're a lawyer or you're a, you know, I don't know, a, a a firefighter, I, whatever you do, that's cool. As long as it's not boring, you know, right. it's not boring small talk. So yeah, I really, I really get that. Yeah. So I, I, I don't mind the interviews and I kind of justify them. Like I reasoned it in my head that very first time. So I started the server in 2013. My very first interview was Christmas day, 2014. <laughs> Um, at my grandmother's house in front of her Christmas tree, a news cam, a, a camera crew came out. Um, they asked me and I sat there and I, I legit thought about it for like a day because I wasn't sure if I'd even be able to. And I reasoned it out in my head that doing this is, is bigger than me. It would help people. Mm-hmm. So parents who have autistic kids, if they're, if they're being bullied and they need a safe space, maybe they'll hear about this. Yep. Um, and then after that, the next year, we actually had researchers coming in and being on the server and observing and writing papers about what an inclusive, supportive community of autistic people for autistic people, what a what a huge benefit it has been on these kids. And they started sharing this stuff. And then it's been changing perceptions about autism, changing perceptions about va- video games and 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 changing perceptions about what it really is to be autistic not antisocial, not, mm-hmm. not wanting friends. Like we do, we made a great community full of friends. We do want that stuff. So as this stuff progressed, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing these interviews because it's benefiting so many people in so many different ways that it would be kind of selfish for me to go. I, I just, I don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can totally respect that. And I, I really do relate to everything you just said as well. Um, like Matt, I also, uh, we relate to a lot of things you're saying, and I'm not sure if he mentioned this 
pre-podcast or at a different time, but we both uh, have ADHD and have talked at great length about kind of the crossover space between ADHD and autism. So it's really interesting to hear a little bit more about your experiences because I think I've had um, maybe a narrower picture of what the autism, um, how autism exhibits in different people. So this is really interesting for me to understand better about the bigger picture. Yeah, people people picture like you said it's a spectrum and everybody is different. People picture a rainbow, right? From purple to orange or green or red or whatever on the other end. But mm-hmm. it's so much more than just a two-dimensional color uh rainbow. It's it's like a full-on 360 degree gradient bubble where right. where like I said like uh my senses are not the same as my son's senses. Um, his mm-hmm. motor control skills, not the same as mine. I played lots of sports. So I was fine. Um, there's, you know, executive functioning. There's um, OCD, ADHD, all these things that go on, you know, can be um, coexisting with autism. Um, mm-hmm. The communication skills, there's some public speakers, autistic public speakers who are amazing <laughs> at public speaking. Um, so there's just so many different aspects that it can't be just one rainbow. There's just this plethora of different differences mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to it's a weird way to put it, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I mean, what a weird coexisting issue to have autism and ADHD at the same time. That's probably the right. most common, mm-hmm. like to imagine mm-hmm. being hyper-focused on stuff, but you can't focus on anything. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like your brain is all over the place, but you only want to think about this one thing all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, is it any wonder that like autistic people are often having meltdowns or be feeling confused or not wanting to stop doing what they're doing? Or, you know, it's it's a battle in your own brain half the time. Yeah. Right. Yep. So w- w- with that in mind, share with us sort of, you know, what was going wrong on a on a typical Minecraft server, or on a public Minecraft server where the kids with autism were struggling to communicate or play with others, and then how your server is different. The, the biggest issue, and this is true for anywhere, um, not just the public servers, but at school, uh, in groups, um, just hanging out with other kids at the park. Um, autistic children tend to react in the extreme. So um, if you've ever seen like any, any, there's been so many me- movies and TV shows and things, but um, like autistic people, when they get really happy or excited, they tend to get what, what we call flappy. Um, your hands, you know, you flap your hands or you rock back mm-hmm. and forth or you bounce up and down or, you know, you could just see the emotion. I, I liken it kind of to like to a, a dog. You know, you, you know, when a dog's happy, the tail's <laughs> wagging, right? Like you just, you, there's so much happiness and excitement. You can't contain it. Um, <laughs> the same is true for most emotions, uh, love, sadness, and of course, anger. And as anybody knows, for a bully or a troll, just a bad person, they're looking for that. And mm-hmm. they will target what they think is going to be the easiest target. Um, but also they, they want to see how far they can push you. And so when an autistic child, like they don't come on saying, Hey, everybody, I have autism. Come and get me. Um, they just <laughs> sign on to play like anybody else. But when something goes wrong, when somebody cheats, when somebody kills them unfairly, when somebody takes something they shouldn't have or whatever, they don't just react the way any typical person might. They 
get upset. They feel wronged and they take it personally and they get really angry. This is what the bullies will just radar just picks it up from everywhere on a Mm -hmm. server and they all focus on this one kid and then they will you know steal all their stuff they'll break everything they build they will kill them like they'll go and camp next to the person's bed so you kill them they respawn you kill them again and you just keep doing it and seeing how mad you can make them um it, it gets even worse though because if they do find out that they're autistic and as we all know like autistic autism is often used as uh, these days as a replacement for the R word. Right. Right. So, right. Right. They will call you that just to insult you. Mm. If they call you that and you happen to be that you take it extra personally, then yeah, the, then everything really falls apart. But right. um, if they do happen to find this out, then uh, what have has happened that I've heard from these parents is um, they will use that as their method of attack. So they'll start telling these kids that they're, they're broken, they're defective. They are the mm. R word. Um, that they should do their parents a favor and just kill themselves because their so, parents didn't so want. Mean. Right. And yeah, they will, they, there's no limits to how far they will go to try and push these kids. Like if they could actually get these kids to actually kill themselves, then they feel like they've accomplished something. <laughs> um, I've talked to quite a few now, like over the course of nine years, trying to keep people safe. We've had our fair share of try, people trying to get in, trying to attack, trying to do whatever. And the ones that I've actually been able to talk to or that have like one person trolled our website not too long ago, they actually mailed. I never talked to them, but they mailed me and they said that was a lot of fun. It was really funny. Thanks. Um, Hmm. Every single one of them I've ever heard from all said that they do it because they find it funny. That's it. (sighs) So frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an enti- it's a whole other discussion of like why why are why are some people like this and what is what motivates them and that is um, dark and fascinating, but moving over to something much more positive, uh, you know, Awcraft is a different place uh, for a lot of for, because of a lot of the things you've set up, the, the systems and the communication you have with your community. So. Share, you know, you, you started the server and and then what happens from there? Well, first and foremost, like um, we have a lot of rules and those are to, you know, try and quell some of these disagreements and some of the issues and um, even things like limiting how many, like, say, cows, like every player can only have so many cows. Because when you have thousands of people, <laughs> if, ev- if all thousands of people have thousands of cows, it lags the server and then everybody gets upset. And then if everybody gets mm. upset... So we're constantly thinking about all these things, trying to keep, you know, emotions kind of in check. Um, But more so than that, when things do fall apart, because they're kids, you know, first and foremost, they're kids. Yes, they're autistic kids, but they're kids and they're just having fun and they're going to have disagreements and things are going Mm -hmm. to break and stuff's going to happen. We're always very, very quick to tell them that they're not in trouble and we're not mad at them. Like, Mm -hmm. even if even if they do something intentionally bad. We will tell them you're not in trouble. We're not mad at you. You're not going to get banned or anything. Don't worry about that. We just want to talk about what happened and how you can do better. And in some cases, when it does get really bad, we reach out to the parents and then we talk to the parents and we say, you know, can you help us? How can we help each other get through to your child that, you know, this, they can't do this thing or, you know, they should try this approach differently. 
stuff like that. So a lot of kids come on and they're, they're afraid of breaking the rules. They're afraid of being banned for no reason, because that's usually what happens on other servers. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're just generally afraid that something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a little time for them to realize that, you know, something was stolen, we can get it back. Something was broken. We can undo the damage. Um, somebody said something, we can talk to them for you. Um, just all these different things where, you know, sometimes it takes two, three, 20, 30 times. Um, but eventually they start to realize it's not the end of the world. This bad mm-hmm. thing happened. They will take care of it. Everything will be okay. And then they stay right, calm. Because you didn't just uh, create a place on the internet and say, go have fun kids. It, this is almost like an after school program where it's like the parents know you're here. They signed off on it. Parent, the parents are in touch with uh, Mr. Duncan, the teacher. You know what I mean? Ugh, like in, in the way, in now that you're way, making me feel really you know? old. <laughs> <laughs> but but in, in the same way that kids would go to chess club or whatever after school, and they know that they can't like you know throw the desk through the window because there's a there's a teacher there, and the parents know where they are. Like. It's it's similar that in that way I think do you do you agree with that absolutely and and even a step further like I'm really always pushing for the parents to join like come in and mm-hmm. play like for all those parents who were frustrated for all those years that their kids would not shut up about Minecraft <laughs> join them and play the game because mm-hmm. all the parents all the parents I've ever talked to who join in and start playing. Those parents cannot shut up about Minecraft. Oh, I <laughs> like, love it. They, they, they plan their next big builds while they're having dinner and stuff. Like they'll be on the server mm-hmm. and you can see the kid go, hey, mom, do you want to go mining with me? We need to get some stuff. And it's like the best thing ever because obviously if you do that on any other server, you're going to get bullied for it. Oh, my God, he plays with his mom. But on Hotcraft, it's like every day you see that. And it's great. Uh-huh. And it's, it is the best way to keep your kids safe online ever. No router, no software, no nothing is going to keep your kids safe. Like you actually being there talking to the people they're talking to and doing the stuff they're doing. And it's the best bonding experience ever. Like playing with your kids, build it in, in the autism community. There's an expression that goes, um, your, your autistic child is not ignoring you. They're simply waiting for you to join them in their world. Oh, which for the most part, it goes to like like my son who is moving his Lego pieces around or moving cars in front of his eyes and stuff. He wants people to join and do those things with him, not try and play mm-hmm. with the car the way you play with a car, but to do the things he's doing. But now I've come to realize that there's literally no more literal explanation for that expression or interpretation of that expression than Minecraft. Because these kids are creating their own world. They have their own pets. They have their own kitchen. They have a farm. They, you know, build their own little water system. They have an axolotl pond with tropical fish in it. They have everything (laughs) the way that is the most ideal for them. Mm -hmm. So why would you not join them in their world? Like, (laughs) join them and experience that and build together is the best bonding experience you'll ever have with your child. Yeah. I love that. I really, love really it. love that. But also, 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 sorry, one, one thing mm. that you did mention. Um, yeah, like on, I've actually been talking to other server owners and people who uh, interview those server owners and stuff. And the number one biggest complaint from both the players and the staff of those servers is that the owner's never around. 
They start a server uh, and leave it. And they leave it. So then they feel like there's no like heart of the server in a way. Right. Exactly. So a kid is a problem. They just get banned. There's no there's no connection there. There's no worries about this or that. It's just they just want they just want revenue. They just want a, a mm. big number of player base. They want to be the biggest server or famous or whatever. And mm. so they don't care about each individual person. They just start the server, get the staff, get the games on there or whatever and leave it. Whereas mm. for me, like like you said, like for those for those 14 to 18 hour days, I'm there. Yeah. Um and it's not just me. I have amazing people working with me who are also on they're on right now while i'm talking to you and they're there Mm. for the kids i i selected them because i know after observing for like months or even years that they are very kind patient compassionate they will take the time and even Mm -hmm. though i can trust them completely i'm still watching anyway because that's what i do i'm sitting here 18 (laughs) hours a day and i watch for the good good stuff i watch for the bad stuff so those are volunteers or, yeah. or, or they, okay. They were players like, um, yes, many. So we have, uh, the main ranks on the server are helper, hmm. uh, apprentice, senior helper and admin. So that the helpers could be any age. So we actually have autistic children as young as like 13, 14 who are given a helper rank and they're actually able hmm. to mute other players if they rage or start insulting somebody hmm. or whatever the case may be. And so they're given some mm-hmm. level of authority and mm-hmm. it's amazing because these are such good kids. Like everybody else would be like, you can't give autistic kids a job, <laughs> but, or give a 13 year old a, right. a, like a, like a moderation job. Right. That is uh, that's a lot of work. It, that's a lot of responsibility. It is a ton of responsibility and they do it well. Um, mm-hmm. Apprentice. Uh, so the helpers mostly help the players and somewhat help the admins. And then we made an apprentice rank, which is mostly helping the admins, but also helping the players. It's kind of the same thing, but yeah. Um, and then senior helpers are adults who are mainly um, parents or autistic mm-hmm. adults. Like we have some autistic adults in the thirties, forties. We have uh, a, a 60 plus year old mom playing on the server right now. <laughs> um, so like I said, we watch for the good and the bad. If we see them constantly helping people and being patient and talking with kids who are having a bad day or whatever, and you know they do a good job at this sort of stuff, I, I'm already watching. So I see all this great stuff and I'm like, would you like to have this rank and be able to help? Mm-hmm. And they do. Nice. So I'll, everybody aside from me is a, a volunteer who just puts in whatever time they can spare and they do amazing at it. You know, what really strikes me so strongly about this is that it is a safe place for these kids. And I mean, I would say, you know, probably for some of these adults too, like, you know, yes, it's safe from bullying, but I guess I kind of feel like you guys are creating something even more than that from what I'm hearing. Because when you say that when these kids have a reaction that, you know, there is like, rather than being chastised for doing something wrong, you're kind of consistently creating over and over by saying, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. Like that strikes me as like extremely powerful because how much in life must they feel like they're doing everything wrong? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I mean. Like when they sign on, they're, they're afraid every, every minute of every day that they're playing on the server, they're afraid that somebody's going to get mad at them and something's going to go wrong. And even if it's nothing that, you know, they're just going to get banned one day and everything will be their fault. And, and that's from, you know, an entire life's experience of it being that way. 
-hmm. but like on a i i kind of so over the years we've kind of had these expectations put on us like people have actually been like this this steward guy he's not a healthcare professional he's not he doesn't not qualified Mm -hmm. to be and i'm like qualified to run a minecraft server like (laughs) what and it and it's because the kids are autistic that they're like oh he has to be qualified to be and it's like no no it's still a minecraft server um Uh but it's getting the results and so there are there is obviously some confusion people are like you know that this must be bigger than it is and so i actually wrote just recently a um a mission statement Hmm. which you know obviously nine years in is kind of an odd time but (laughs) i i basically recapped that Autcraft is a place where autistic children can play without worry about being bullied or trolled or attacked. And and that's it. Like it's it's not an education source, it's not a therapy center, it's not right. any of these sorts of things. Like we're not teaching them this or that or going out of our way to, you know, give them these life lessons or anything. Um yes. it's just it's it's a safe place where they know that they can spell words wrong and they won't be teased. Where they can talk about quirky interests that they have and not be judged about it. Where, you know, if they're gay, transsexual, if, you know, they're whatever, whatever the case may be. If they're rich, they're poor, they're from this, from this country or that country. We have kids who are from countries that are close to the Ukraine right now and they're scared. Mm. <laughs> and they come on and they talk to us about it. But well. it's there's there's no judgment and when you can do that when when somebody feels perfectly totally safe not just from bullies and trolls but from judgment and teasing and people just looking at them funny and thinking weird that they're weird um you you start to learn how to read and write you start to learn how to make friendships and how to be a friend how to be a leader and and, you know a building exercise you start learning all these different things that you've never learned before all through play with people only because you're just not afraid to take those chances to to the burden the burden the is burden lifted. of it yeah yeah exactly mm. and it, you I, think I, about I, it that's that's pretty much how many systems go right like you think about alcoholics anonymous or support groups like trauma support groups or uh soldiers that come back from the war and they have their you know uh their support groups i guess like the circle where they talk about their lives and stuff like mm-hmm. you don't do that with complete total strangers from outside of those you know what i mean like you don't yes. you, you don't everybody at that alcoholics anonymous circle were alcoholic everybody that was in the like the soldier they're all soldiers so you have but i think that. that's where people people get confused because the, because in those scenarios they those scenarios are led by some right. sort of qualified practitioner and you said it perfectly here like you don't have a, an agenda or a lesson plan or whatever it's as if you just gathered autistic kids together in a room to hang out yeah and that's all it is but we can't do that because most uh, you know autistic kids are 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 atypical and they're everywhere they're not all in the same town they're and all over we, the world and and they're, they're all over the world unlikely to actually be in rooms together because they're autistic right <laughs> right. <laughs> right right that too but like the, we are you are we, we are not doing anything you are bending i don't want to be too like uh you know uh, po- poetic about it but like we cannot change 
the physical world to meet the needs of a neurodivergent person. There will be sounds and misunderstandings and sensory overload that we cannot delete from the world. We just cannot do it. But what we, you have done is use the internet and a virtual world to bend the rules of society to accommodate specific kids. And that is literally, in a nutshell, with a bow on it, why I love the internet so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, done it. Same for me. Same for me. And I can't help but think, you know, it's interesting, right? Because like Matt said, you know, well, it's just a place where autistic kids can gather. But to me, it is more than that. And to me, the most important aspect of like, uh, well, let me back up. In my personal experiences, the most important aspect of mental health you know, licensed mental health practitioners is the ability to give a person to feel safe enough to be vulnerable. So mm. I feel like that is something that as human beings, we can do in our friendships, we can do in our relationships, we can do, you know, all around us. So I guess in my thought, you don't have to have, you don't have to be licensed to provide something for these kids and their parents that is really meaningful for them that like will probably carry them and be foundational for a part of like, you know, their lives later. Yeah. When, when a, a player on my server does something, I'm not going to say wrong, makes a mistake. If they just place something in the wrong place or they choose the wrong, you know, some silly little thing, then they'll put into chat. Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. And you end up having like five or six other players who are like the same age or even younger than you saying, don't say that you're not stupid. Don't put yourself down. Mm do you like that's never going to replace therapy but how valuable <laughs> like you can't put a value on that right like it's off the charts yeah, it is. I think it's extremely charts. valuable put, put any five children on a playground and and say that sentence and see what you get like this is miraculous what you have here it's i just mm, i'm so amazed by it you know you know what the best part is um i did a ted talk right about this mm-hmm. and well, actually, it was a TEDx talk, so it was it was done uh, by well, it done by another group. But this, uh, I'm sorry, Stuart, this interview's over. I know we I know. only we only do TED. I know okay. we have, we have it was standards subpar. The Wish.com version of a TED talk. Um, <laughs> but it was it was at York University downtown Toronto. They were all professors and doctorates and just the most brilliant people. And I here I am up on stage. I, I'm a dad. I have a Minecraft server. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what I'm going to try and teach you guys. Um, but I ended up doing the talk, and then TED itself reached out and said we want to feature your talk on ted.com and and so they did and they they featured it on there i don't even know where i was going with this now uh, <laughs> what was i saying well maybe about about the kids helping oh, each other i don't know if that, right, that was right. the last thought yeah yeah that? yeah that's exactly it so ted ends up um pu- publishing it front page and then they shared it on their socials and on facebook and twitter where they shared this talk it's this low quality grainy image of me talking about a Minecraft server. And they put the caption, this is the best place on the internet. Oh, mm. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, well, I guess that makes it official now, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but it also, it also cemented to me. Like I repeat that to the kids on the server every single day I'm on there just about because that it's, it's not about me. It's about them. Like, 
I, I could have the best intentions in the world. I can come up with the best set of rules you've ever seen. I can be on there 24 hours a day because what is sleep anyway? <laughs> but that wouldn't mean anything at all, ever, if autistic kids were the way that people always thought of autistic kids. Because I was told you can't do this, that they would be, right. it'd be chaotic. They'd be yelling and screaming mm -hmm. all the time. They'd be fighting all the time. It'd be just constant rage. They would never actually want to play with each other because they don't want to have friends. It's just mm. a million and one reasons why autistic kids couldn't be in a community like this. And it turns out here's TED.com calling it the best place on the internet because these kids are so supportive and encouraging and just so compassionate and helpful. And it's, it's that Robin Williams thing, right? Where I think it, I think it was Robin Williams who said that like the most depressed people in the world are the ones most likely to try and make you happy because they don't want you to feel the same way. <laughs> right. Wow. So I had never heard that. That's beautiful. I paraphrased. He, he said it much better than I did. Um, <laughs> but that's the general idea. But th that's the way I see these kids. Like they've all felt alone or misunderstood or right. like an alien on this planet right. or bullied. And, and so when, when they're playing together and somebody else feels down or they call themselves stupid or they say they had a bad day, they get it. And so they're there for each other. And yeah, but it, but that's a cultural thing. Like you have, you, like you said, you set some rules in motion and you created a place and you're very hands-on, but you've also empowered others to do those sorts of things. And you've created a, you set some cultural motion in place. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think that this could be a model for other communities, whether it's shared experience or autism or, or whatever, whatever you're passionate about, like we're, when you, when you create a place on the internet, that's like, you know what, we'll just let an algorithm decide what's the clickiest thing and good luck. And we'll get a bunch of advertising from that. Like that's going to, we know, we know now that that was going to devolve into a bad time. But if you set a, you carve out a place on the internet where it's like, we all have roles and we all have responsibilities and we're all empowered to make this place that we love good. It, like that has happened in the real world with neighborhoods and projects and it happens in the virtual world. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad researchers and, and sociologists and, and those types of folks are hopping in saying like, oh, we we I mean, we could learn from this, you know, and maybe that's a question for let's make another question. Like, what are they trying to glean from what you've created here? What what have they said to you? There's it's been a lot. Um, <laughs> you you should talk to them because they're much better at explaining it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first and foremost, um, I'm I'm an autistic dad, which means I, I have autism myself and I'm a dad, but I also have an autistic son. That gives me different viewpoints that a lot of people don't have, like a typical parent having an autistic kid or an autistic parent having, you know, non-autistic children. Um, but then from there, I also, I just look for the best in people. And so I have autistic kids on my team. I have brothers and sisters on my team who are not autistic. I have autistic adults. I have parents. I have all these different people and we're in constant communications in discord. And so when we come up with something new, we're actually, um, this month we're putting together a schools out party for 
you know, people who are missing out on their grads or proms or whatever <laughs> else for whatever reason. Obviously, the last three years, a lot of kids have missed out on these things. <laughs> um, but we all plan and build and do these things together. So we have a very diverse group. And if you think about autism organizations that are out there, um, they're either like everybody's autistic on their board or nobody is. And so they have mm. very narrow viewpoints. So they don't think about everybody's opinions and perspectives and things. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the server itself, like I said, the, the kids are just that wonderful and people never knew. So we have these researchers come in and they just observe those interactions. They observe, you know, people supporting each other when on any other server, somebody would have got beaten up for saying that, you know, I had a bad day at school or my dog died or mm -hmm. something, you know, somebody would have laughed somewhere and everybody else would have, you know, quietly tried to avoid, you know, being noticed. Um, but not on Aircraft. Everybody's super supportive. And, and then they see the interactions. Like I said, um, you know, if somebody's raging or gets like to the point where they're insulting somebody because they're mad, we will mute them. But it's never a punishment. We, we mute them so that they don't make people mad. So they don't have people be upset with them. Like we don't want anybody to do something that they'll not only regret, but will change the way other people think about them. And so when we mute them and we talk to them, we say, you're not in trouble. We're not mad. We just want to talk to you. We explain that. We're like, listen, these people will not want to play with you if you lash out and and make them, you know, angry or even hate you. And so that's why we muted you. And we just want to talk with you. And when you're calmed down, we'll unmute you. And And these kids, as young as 13, who become helpers understand that and do the exact same thing with their own peer they'll be muting adults <laughs> <laughs> and they'll they'll help them get, get through their emotions and calm down and and so we we get these researchers and therapists and and doctors they come in and they observe all of this and you know they they take all that back with them and they write up these papers about you know how how diverse we are and how we use videos on youtube and social media we have a forum on our website we use all these different ways to communicate and and we're always there for each other and all this sort of stuff and they they put it up in a neat little package and i'm like yeah yeah that that does sound really good doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully being applied to uh real world or educational or clinical settings uh for other kids and families to benefit from here's hoping yeah, more and more. Uh, you know, one of the one of the top referrals I ever see because on our application form, I I put where did you hear about Allcraft, and mm. one of the tops is um, being referred by a therapist or wow. a pediatrician or whatever. And I'm like, how how strange is it that you know I'm just some guy. I I was a web developer and I'm an autistic guy. I don't have very much money or an education or anything. And I started a Minecraft server, and now therapists are suggest or you know, referring their clients to me. <laughs> you know, I, th I think that I, I totally relate to that feeling in some of my own endeavors, but at the same time as a, a person outside of what you're doing, right. Just listening to the story. When I hear it, what I really hear about it is that you don't really need training and you don't really need, uh, you know, to have, the formal kind of path that the world tells you to make something of merit and importance. And this sounds like something that is of great importance to a great many people, yourself included, right? 
Uh, I love being on the server. People are like, wow, you work that way. I love being there. I love being with those kids and seeing the interactions and everything else. But also, you know, it's where I feel like I belong. That's where I feel safest. Like it's, it's, it's as important to me as it is to anybody else. (laughs) And yeah, I, I just couldn't imagine if I'm not on there, if I do go away or I take a day off or something, I'm constantly looking at like my, my computer. (laughs) I'm like, I should, I should, I should should go back. I should be on there. (laughs) I should check in. Yeah. Um, because our audience will, will know and care about this. Um, we should mention that, uh, well, two things, one, that this is the Java edition of Minecraft. It is the, PC original version that you can modify. It is not the version that, you know, you can pop open in the app store or on Nintendo switch and, and play. Correct. Right. Yeah. The, the Microsoft version, which you're talking about bedrock and mobile and console and stuff. Uh, they, they're trying to make their money back. So you can only really get stuff on the marketplace, which is goes to them and it's very locked down. So I can't modify it. I can't make it as safe as I'd like it to be. So for now, Java only. Can you share a few examples of modifications, your own custom modifications, or maybe things that came out of the community, maybe the community built that help your server stay safe or, uh, or, or meet the needs of your players? Yeah. One of the first plugins that I added way back nine years ago, uh, it's called world guard. And with that, you can protect people's builds. So if you build yourself a house or a castle or even like a, a dirt hut, um, I can go in and protect it to you so that only you can break or place things. Only you can open the chest and take things out. So your stuff can't be stolen. Um, you, that I'm sorry, but like that seems like a feature you should be able to toggle on right? in a in an official realm. Seems pretty <laughs> especially yes. a large one. Seems like it should right? be pretty standard, but no, it's not. Yeah. And a lot of servers Strange. don't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that, but then we can, like you said, we can also build our own stuff. Um, we had this is not a security thing, but uh, we had one player who started to spam the chat. And like, you know, just typing out a like 30 times and it just fill up the this whole screen with letter a, but it was an, an irregular thing for him to do. It was out of character. So I reached out to his guardian and asked what was going on. And she said that he was losing his sight. His vision was degrading. So what we figured he was doing was splitting up the chat so that some messages would be above the A's and some below the A's and it would help him to be able to differentiate and read them better. So we actually, I I got a programmer friend of mine that night and we stayed up all night long and wrote a plugin. And in the morning I added it to the server and it had um, a bunch of different features actually, but the main one was called split chat. So you could do split chat and then whatever character you want, if it's an asterisk or a dash or even the letter A, um afterwards and then it would split every single message with whatever character it was you chose and so they it was done automatically for that specific player he didn't have to do anything and only he saw it and so every player could use it and so just about every single player on the server uses it they all split it up by dashes or blank spaces or whatever and it makes it easier for everyone and then we actually had mojang the developers of the game come and visit just as a just a special guest just to come and say hi and see the place and they saw that feature and they said this is amazing 
that night they went home and the very next snapshot release of the game came with a feature called line spacing. <laughs> it's in the I game love that now. Story. I love that. Um, yep. But you can't do that with Bedrock. So we have a bunch yep. of stuff. We have um, swear filters. We have uh, a lot of people don't know this. Trolls do. Um, <laughs> the signs and the books that you can write in the game are not logged anywhere. Oh, so wow. Everybody who comes and goes, all the commands they do, all the messages they send, everything is in a log file, but not the signs of the books. So... Huh. I was able to open up an editor, write it myself a little plugin, put it on the server. And now not only does it record the line, everything, every line that was written into a book or a sign, but it actually sends that stuff to me and the rest of my staff in Discord automatically. Nice. It also tracks for swear words. Sorry, just just right. Just as right. This is as a moderation tool, meaning you can't harass someone in chat because it's logged or it's filtered, but you could players could write anything they want on a sign or a book to harass another player. Exactly. And and like I said, trolls know it. So we've actually seen trolls who, you know, lie on the whitelist. They get I get added Mm. to the server. They'll come on and they know that staff will be watching. So they will go look for bases (laughs) that are not protected and start leaving signs with racism and vulgarities Mm. and, you know, really, really terrible things for those unsuspecting players to sign on and find. So we we were able to just write our own plugin that not only tracks it, but alerts us in Discord. So I can see every single sign that's placed. And and like I said, if there is, like if a, a really, you know, terrible, terrible word is, like if it's just a swear word, it will erase the sign. You'll just end up with a blank mm-hmm. sign placed there. If it's a really, really bad word, which is obvious trolling, then it will not only erase the sign, but automatically ban that person. They'll just be wow. gone. So we've had a we've had not a lot. We like I'm talking like maybe once every few months we get a troll that will slip in and they will use that approach. They'll write a book or they'll place a sign or something and they put, you know, the most obvious, you know, N words and stuff. Um, and then they're just gone. The Like the rest of the players are like, oh, I guess they had to sign off. <laughs> like, I know. hate that you have to do all this extra work, but there there's something about the arms race here that is uh, is fascinating. And uh, I don't know, it's it's not not that it's fun that you have to do this, but like, you know, there's work to be done here to keep your community safe. And it's there is it's 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 can tell it's clever work you know what i mean it's it's yeah. uh, outsmarting the the trolls well a lot of people ask me you know what are you going to do next which game you know would you mm. want to create a safe community for people and blah, mm. blah blah and my answer is usually i can't mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah how would you have of, time well yeah there's the time obviously i'm doing 18 hours a day so i'm like you know if you want a safe community in that particular game space do it I'll help you. I'll, I'll tell you what I do, but I'm not doing mm. it for you because I'm already busy. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But also, like, what other games afford you this opportunity? What other games can you modify in this way? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Even, yeah. even Minecraft, you can't on anything other than the Java. <laughs> you know, I can't make a safe space on this, on Minecraft on the Switch. It's, yeah, this is a really interesting question it's a really interesting theory about like accessibility and and uh customization yeah i'm trying to think of any other games that are as sandboxy like this there are none there's one Hmm. potentially that's coming and that's hightail which is why people are very excited about it okay Um, i have not heard of it i don't know if colette has i haven't 
If you've ever heard of the um, the Hypixel Minecraft server, it's the one with all the mini games where like Hunger Games and stuff started. <laughs> um, okay. It uh, was it's a very very big Minecraft server, and they customize Minecraft in like a million different ways, coming up with all these different mini games. Um, you uh-huh. know, um, I couldn't even explain half of them, but there's a lot of different mini games, and so they've custom coded as much as they can to make all these different games. But there's only so much they can do, right? Because at the heart of it is still Minecraft. So at some point, they had made enough money, and they got frustrated enough. They started developing their own game, and they called it Hightail. And huh. part of the reason it's been taking so long is because they want it to be as customizable or more than Minecraft itself, oh. which is a, a very ambitious project and one that I'm looking forward to because maybe I actually can expand to that. But aside from that, there's there's literally nothing that, you know, these game makers, they lock down their games. They'll give you some tools, but they don't like people messing with stuff that much. So yeah. I, I'm always eager and happy to like give kudos to mojang for what they've done because Mm -hmm. you know like now there's an education edition for minecraft and yeah you know therapists are starting to use it Uh, educators are using it governments are using it um Mm -hmm. uh libraries museums they're rebuilding Mm -hmm. stuff inside the game like i've seen city planners using it they're getting people to come in and play the game in like you know, uh, a recreated their, their own city and saying, if you were going to build a park here, what would it look like? And those people (laughs) do that. Mm -hmm. And then they have contractors Mm -hmm. come in and rebuild what those people made. So, I mean, it's all because Mojang had the foresight and, you know, the confidence to give us the tools to be able to customize this thing. Yeah. It's the secret to it's, it's original success. Even in its earliest forms were like, you know, I'm, programming this and you can watch me make it as it gets made this is before early access was even uh, an idea and uh and hey by the way when you get your hands on it you can do change it to whatever you want and you'll the internet will probably have better ideas about what this could be than than i would as a developer it's yeah you know what's striking me too as i'm trying to think of other games is that like so many other games are social but they are social of like, hey, let me play with my own friends that I already have. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you could modify the game or maybe you can play the game in a way that suits your needs or your taste, but it presupposes that you're hopping in with your buddies or your gaming friends, whatever. And what you have elucidated here is that like, it is challenging for autistic children to make friends in a school environment or a neighborhood environment. And so by grouping them together with other autistic kids, that is the gateway to a social life that can't exist safely in other games as we know them today. Yeah. I hear from a lot of parents who say that their kids are making friends at school for the first time ever because they've gotten the experience to know how to do that on Ocraft. Wow. That's, uh, that's, mm. And, and like you said, like most games, like you think about um, even, again, Minecraft itself um, on Pocket Edition or console and stuff, you get like realms, which is like one to ten people. So you go in there with your friends list, your your Switch yes. friends, your Xbox friends. Pe- pe- people you already know. People you already yeah, know. Exactly. And so what are you really gaining socially? Um, but then, right. there's, then there's other games where, yeah, you do play with strangers, but then what? Like... Right. Like you think of like that's not the answer either. Like, yeah. Well, those are bite-sized 
game like Mm -hmm. you think like Fortnite, if you win Mm -hmm. it's maybe 20 minutes and that's only if you choose to play with like autofill where you get some random strangers in and so you right right you talk to each other for the 20 minutes and then then but that's not this that does not have the safety guardrails either that 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 you have you put in place so like exactly like yeah it's it's transitory it's not persistent and it's strangers who are not like you and therefore i presume kids will face the same barriers that they did yeah, uh, yeah they're, either, either, either making no connection at all and they're gone at the end of the yes. game or yes. or it was a terrible experience but hey at least it's over now <laughs> <laughs> right right and then and then yeah yeah you're, you're or you're playing with just your friends list anyway so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. as uh, minecraft i i have struggled trying to find stuff i think if i was to get like i'm not a futurist but if i was to guess the future would be more so in vr mm-hmm um, like you think like rec room where you can just load it up and you start walking and you hear voices around you and they're not people, you know, it's just people in the mm-hmm. thing. And so you mm-hmm. can go into a room, you can actually make your own rec rooms. And so you could make like an autism game or like, not like right. game, but like a community where like people who have autism are welcome to come in. And if, if developers are able to make those tools or to make, you know, tools that allow you to make the tools, uh, to moderate those sorts of things and keep them safe, then VR could be a viable option. Social VR. I don't. I can't speak to the developer tools in a rec room or a VR chat. But my layman's understanding is like, oh, you don't like these avatars that we got for you? Import a 3D model and be Bugs Bunny if you want to be. And that that wildness of that makes me think that perhaps those things are malleable in the same way that Minecraft was in the early days. Here's hoping. And, and that leads to a lot of really nasty, insane stuff that you will encounter in the wild, in the wilderness of a VR chat or a rec room, but hopefully also allows you to, like you said, create a, a safe room for like-minded people. That's the hope. That's the goal. But who knows? Like, like I said, it's it's got to be tough for, for developers because you want to keep things, you want to keep your vision, your vision. So you don't want people messing with it. But at the same time, if you want it to grow and be all these different things and and have somebody like me come along and turn it into something that, you know, everybody's like, you want to be on my podcast. And um, uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and sell sell it for two point five billion dollars. Right. You hear that game developers? Like uh openness in community perhaps is uh is is the way. Imagine I, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it is. Uh before we move on to the next segment of our show, for Colette, do you have any final questions for Stuart before I uh kick it over? Uh, no, I mean honestly, I'm just odd and really impressed and it kind of for me listening and learning more about it is kind of like one of those moments where you're like oh god the world isn't all horrible is it (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of how it makes me feel so i'm just i'm just grateful to to hear the story shared well like i said I'm, i'm always happy to tell it especially especially because I'm just so proud of those kids. And when I say kids, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's ad- autistic adults and them too, and the parents and stuff. But, you know, I, I just love to tell everybody that this community, this, the best place on the internet, as Ted called it, is, mm-hmm. is autistic people, people that people mm-hmm. probably least expected. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and you kind of touched on this earlier, Colette. Like uh, I I often insist, like when I do these interviews and stuff, that people know that I'm autistic and that I am mm-hmm. a dad, and I'm doing this in my well, it was my spare time in the beginning, and now it's just whatever time I have, I'm on here. And I and I insist on these things for a reason because I want every single one of those kids, whether they're six or sixty, uh, on the server who feel like you know they're alone or useless or worthless or they can't mm-hmm. do anything or whatever. I want them to go, wait, he's he's autistic and he has kids he and he's do doing it. this thing. If he can do mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's part of the reason. That's well, the main reason why I'm always like, I'm just an autistic dad who just wants to help. And, you know, here I am being interviewed by people and, and being offered Ted talks and stuff. So don't think that you can't help people around the world too. Yeah. That's hope. That's like, in my opinion, one of the most important things you can give any other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, seconded, of course. Now here's where the rubber hits the road, friends and listeners. Um, Stu- as you heard, Stuart quit his job because uh, this is so important that it must continue. But there is no, uh, there's no big fat paycheck at the end of this endeavor. These these 15 hour days, and the best place on the internet, uh, as officially coined here, can only exist because people care about it so much that they're like, you know what, I could buy a coffee today, or I can kick in a few bucks on Stuart's Patreon. So where can people? If they're interested in learning about the server, joining the server, or just even supporting the server financially, where can people go? Well, our main website is otcraft.com. Got all of our info on there. And if you would love to support the server, even if it's just a dollar, um, any amount you want, uh, it is patreon.com slash otcraft. We will put that in the show notes as well. Yep. Thank you. All right. We did it. Uh, we're done talking about this nonsense, all right, <laughs> of like, oh, we're helping people and community, whatever. I know, blah, right? blah, blah, blah. Who does that? Time to talk about some video games. Now, first, we need to close uh, some loops here. Last week, we did an episode about our very favorite video game music. And uh, you, our listeners, uh, we had some really excellent discussion about the episode. And it, we, we put out a call uh, for your favorite video game music. And boy, did you deliver. So, Stuart, if you would like to hang with us, we would love to play some of our community's favorite music and these might be games that are near and dear to your heart or you have thoughts on, or we'd love to hear your, some, maybe some of your favorite soundtracks uh, as we continue the discussion. So are, are, do you have time to stick around? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love retro music. I actually just made a retro music pack for my server. So we listen yeah. to, to video game music in game. Yep. What, so like from other games? Yeah, Mario 3, the original Kirby Dreamland <laughs> theme song, Tetris, the Doom music. Oh, yeah, it's all there. That's all right. All right. Now we're talking. All right. Well, speaking of that, uh, Colette, I don't know if you're in the Discord uh, server, I but am. maybe you can kick it off. Very beautiful. Kick it off, please. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Let me make sure I'm all the way back to the first person that said something. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a whole section where everyone was like, here's all these pictures of me with Colette over the years. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> all right. Anyway, I'm at the right place. So, 
uh, Pyrostar, she says, listening to the music episode, wanted to share my story. I absolutely adore Final Fantasy X as it was my first Final Fantasy and loved everything about it. For my wedding, I walked down the aisle to the arrangement of two Xanarkand. I'm trying to find the version to share here. One of my husband's groomsmen said as soon as he heard the opening piano, he couldn't stop himself from crying. And she links uh, a video to, I think, Tri Fantasy Trio are the musicians that did this arrangement. Uh, Matt, are you going to play the music i'm gonna play it and this is now you final fantasy 10 x is on your list of favorite games of all time so this music is near and dear to your heart i presume yes i would be with the groomsmen crying (laughs) (laughs) and pretty much always have a moment like this music makes my heart kind of like stop for a minute every time it starts Mm -hmm. and i mean that in a good Mm -hmm. way not in a in a bad way in a, not in a cardiac arrest. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not like uh, that. Stuart, any affinity for the Final Fantasy series yourself? Uh, I, I lost track at Final Fantasy VII, the uh, <laughs> the ultimate Final Fantasy. As we have all-gaming. discussed here, in particular, yes, yeah, yeah, um, that's not uncommon. But even having only gotten that far, I've still heard some of the Final Fantasy is just it's just one of those games that transcends, like the visuals, the amazing stories, and of course the music. You don't have to play the game to appreciate any of those. Like everybody's seen the amazing cinematic cutscenes on YouTube, even if they've never played the <laughs> game and they've heard the music somewhere. So I, what can you say about Final Fantasy? It's amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, 10 is a gap for me too, as we've discussed here, but listening to this piece, uh, it, it has that, it just has that Final Fantasy sound to it. So we'll we'll play a clip from this uh, video. This is the Tri Fantasy Trio that Pyrostar linked. Uh, just stunning. Take a listen. do that all week so wrong i was waiting to hear that music and you screwed you screwed us all i love that well done (laughs) just kidding kudos that was pretty good that was well here it is for real here it is for real uh this is two zenar canned Piano, violin, and cello only. Just a trio, and what a what a rich, beautiful sound. Uh, this is a great. She's crying. She's she's done. Every, every, oh, everything and guys, in every Final Fantasy is just so much emotion. It is, right? and let me tell you, the fact that you guys can sense that without knowing what the music, like the meaning of the music of the no story, con- no context, oh my God. no story context, like no yeah, idea. oh yeah, you would be a wreck if you knew, like if, <laughs> if you knew what that signified. But it doesn't matter. You can still enjoy how beautiful it is yep 
completely agree. Uh, Nose B, uh, I think a fairly new member to our community, listening community, says, my thoughts when listening to the music episode was the Shadow of the Colossus soundtrack, how well it captures the emotions of the game. This reminds me how annoyed I am that Shadow of the Colossus was never ported to anything other than PlayStation platforms. It's a game that always intrigued me, and I would love to play it if it would ever come to PC or Switch or anywhere else. So, come on. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> did you did you play these games, Colette, in your PlayStation days? Oh, yeah. No, your, your absolutely. PS1, yeah, PS2? Shadow of the okay. Colossus was, like, devastating. Like, I mean, and I mean that in a good way. Like, actually, maybe a better word is awe-inspiring. Like, you, ha- there was nothing that I had played that ever was like that. But I had played... It's either Eco or Ico. I'm not sure which one is more commonly used, but I had played that game first. And so I was already like, oh, my God, I want to play everything these people make ever. And then they made Shadow of the Colossus. So, OK, OK. Nothing but really hey, fond memories of it. Yeah. How about you, Stuart? Are you are you a Nintendo guy, PlayStation person, PC? Where, where do you typically spend your time besides well, uh, that, moderating a, a yeah, Minecraft server? That depends on which point of my life you're talking about. Like, yes, obviously, you know, fond, fond memories of that very first Nintendo with Duck Hunt and Mario. But mm-hmm. uh, and then on to the PlayStation. And now I'm just strictly in front of a computer. But I've never heard of Shadow of the Colossus before. OK, OK. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those big important games that is, uh, you know, it's it's on the it's in the annals of history as like a, a, a monumental game. But it's I think you haven't been aware of it because it's it's not accessible uh, to modern players, which is unfortunate. But uh, Nosby shared uh, a track uh, called Revived Power. And again, I've not played this, but it, it definitely captures the vibe of what I've seen Shadow of the Colossus to be, of course. So here is that track. it was wow <laughs> and honestly and the, you- the nice thing about that piece of music is that it it i feel like it really embodies well the like insane scope of the game because you're just this tiny little protagonist fighting these things that are like 800 times your size and it's just amazing <laughs> that's actually what i visualized while i was listening to that like i <laughs> i like we the three of us talking, we can actually see our own sound waves right now in front of us. So obviously listeners mm-hmm. can't see that. But that music was just this big wall of sound wave. Like it was just it's it's yeah. massive to look at. Thick. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's a thick wave. It was it's oh, what a, a colossal sound it was. <laughs> well said well said uh colette why don't you skip on down to uh Cupa's late uh entry because i think it's uh it's perfect let's see 
uh, about Mitsuda and Iyamatsu and the Chrono Trigger Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Records do exist of the ten tracks Mitsuda did not compose, including "People Who Threw Away the Will to Live," "Underground Sewer," "Bike Chase," "Sealed Door," "Primitive Mountain," and my personal favorite, "I'm Weird." Tirano Castle. <laughs> Meanwhile, Boss Battle 1 was composed by a third person, Noriko Matsueda. I did not know any of this. Yeah, well, I think Kupa is is referring to our conversation where you brought Chrono Trigger music to the table, which is just uh, unbelievable stuff. And you were telling the story of Mitsuda and how he kind of, you know, fumbled his way into this job. But then Uematsu, like, I guess came in for the save, but then there were other composers who worked on the track, or I guess Mitsuda is, is credited with the soundtrack, but Uematsu did a, did these tracks that Kupa's referencing, and then a third person also was collaborating. So it was, it sounds like it was a mishmash of collaborative Different. work rather yeah, than I, a single. I didn't, re- I mean, I knew about Uematsu's coming in, but I didn't, I did not know at all about, um, Matsueda at all. So thank okay. you, Kupa. I learned something today. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Kupa has one final contribution for favorite music. Uh, uh, he says, this is my favorite game track from the fi- the past five years uh, and sees it as a spiritual successor to Searching for Friends, which is the second overworld theme from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, which is, if I'm if I'm remembering that track, it is the it is the overworld theme from after the world is destroyed, um, and ev- and all the the characters are separated, and you are basically wandering the world, hoping that anyone is still left alive. Um, so Kupa is saying this track from Celeste is connected emotionally for for him so let's uh let's play that here I get it. Yeah. I dig it. I like that. Did you did you play Celeste, either of you? I, I'd started and it was too hard. It was way too hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sadly. I don't remember. I, I'm I know I started it, but I think I just I don't think I lost interest, but I just it stopped playing it for some reason. I never got through the whole thing. I think that was when I finally just sort of gave up on putting that much time into games. <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so at right. some point, I was just like, I'm never going to be able to finish this. <laughs> at some point, you're like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but I we- did get back. I did get back and finish Final Fantasy VII, though. But then that was the last uh, one I played. Okay. We've talked on this show before about how that's happened to us, too, where we're just like, I, I, I just, I don't have time. Like, I just can't. <laughs> That it it needs to a game needs to meet a certain threshold or combination of criteria to really really absorb 
my entire mind and then i'm going all the way down all the way through hardcore and if it doesn't hit all those uh tick boxes then unfortunately i will i will i will bounce off somewhere but i think the story of like everyone loves celeste it's the most critically acclaimed game of the year game and it's beautiful and it's amazing and i think many people are like and this is very hard goodbye like i can't do this (laughs) Yeah, I think like um, when I played it, a friend. This made it even worse. A friend gifted it to me and was like, "Oh my god, you're gonna love this!" I was like, "Awesome!" And then I was like, "I oh no!" And he's like, "Oh man, it has such like powerful themes about mental health." And I was like, "I do mm-hmm. not doubt that, but I can't." <laughs> so I can't that part sucks. Platform be- because I was like, "I love, I love mental, I love seeing mental health in games." But yeah, I just I couldn't do it. I wish I could have. So yeah, that yep. is that. Yeah, when, yeah, when you risk your own mental health going nuts trying to beat it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Like, I was like, I know, I know, no. All right. On from games we have not played. Uh, thank you to all listeners who shared their music with us. Uh, we love hearing from you. So hop into that Discord. Uh, but not games that we have not played, but games that we are playing. Uh, Stuart, our guest of honor, besides this uh this indie darling uh under this hidden gem <laughs> called minecraft nobody's ever heard of no it's we're bringing it to light you heard it here first uh do you have time to enjoy other video games right now <sighs> not as much as i used to and that's part of the problem like i i've gotten into um no man's sky and red mm. dead rebellion and um <laughs> never got very far because <laughs> i don't have the time <laughs> so i've i've been kind of backtracking a little bit um playing some old favorites like uh left for dead 2 oh hmm. classic right you can play that in bite-sized pieces if i just want to do one level i just do one level if i wanted to do all the levels in a certain thing i can and then i'm done and i don't have to worry about remembering the controls next time I play. <laughs> Matt and I often talk about this, and and I, I time and time again have said that uh, as a person who also grew up on the NES, you know, uh, going from you know beginning gaming with like four to six buttons, and now having games where I need to remember like eighty-seven buttons, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, eighty-seven buttons I, plus the combos. Right, right, and it's like I know for a fact that I sound so old when I'm like I don't want to remember all these. But guess what? I don't. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just don't, and that's okay. Well, I don't have to want to remember them. When when you load up a game and they have a thirty minute tutorial on no. how to do the different actions, and then you nope. leave the game for a month and you come back and there's no tutorial at the stage that you're at now, you have to. Yeah, yeah. So, like I have this issue where if I start a game. I can't like if I start a game and it's like it doesn't have to be complex, but like it has to be like more complex than like, you know, Super Mario one or something. Like if I start the game and then I walk away for a few weeks and I come back, I can't remember how to do anything anymore. And so that like takes me out of the game and I can't enjoy it the same way that I might enjoy it if I was playing it consistently. So as a result, I find certain types of games like, say, Hades, for instance, which I was like really in the groove of they they have a way of relying on on the they have a way of relying on a certain set of buttons that even though there are more things to do with other buttons they keep it simple and those are always the games that appeal to me the most because i don't want to remember yes. all those buttons but also what hades does and and I, it made me think of another game too is that 
you're away from a month for a month and you're like, oh, Hades again. You hop back into Hades, you grab a weapon. And there, before you dive into the dungeon, there's a training area with a with a training dummy or he's like a skeleton dude who where you can get back on the bicycle and relearn yep. the moves. Very helpful. Before you start playing again. Really and, helpful. And so I'm glad you mentioned Hades and Monster Hunter. These are... Um, these are repetitive games that you ha- that you're like going in cycles with. So it's different from a narrative game, but Mo- but Monster Hunter has a training area. So you and and I've said this before on the show. Each of the 14 weapons in Monster Hunter is a completely different video game. Like you are playing a different game if you pick up the longsword versus you pick up the hammer. Mm-hmm. And so there is no narrative where you're like i'm 40 hours in and i forgot how to play you're just hunting the next monster that you choose to hunt so you can go to the training area where they have press this button for this okay here's the combo now change your switch and it's like you get back on the proverbial bike to remember how the hell you the weapon you liked could, six months ago could be five, five minutes or five months it wouldn't make a difference yeah it, exactly it's, it's the little things like this that mm-hmm. i i think about these things often <laughs> <laughs> same same um but yeah uh games that i can get quick bites of um even the more uh recent ones like fortnite um mm-hmm. back for blood which is kind of a left for dead mm-hmm. I, I would call it the wish.com version of left for dead <laughs> <laughs> it gives you the feeling but it's not quite right um <laughs> uh and and i uh i actually mentioned this uh pre-recording um but it still holds my interest is Assassin's Creed. Yeah. The latest one, Valhalla. So much fun. And yeah. and as, as complex as it has gotten over the years, you can still just pick up a controller and and fiddle your it might take you a couple minutes, but the the parkour and the mechanics of it is still simple enough that you know you can put 10 minutes and get back into the groove again. Mm-hmm. So cool. So I've never dabbled in the Assassin's Creed series, despite it being very appealing to me. So sell me on on one of them. And I'm a sucker for ships, you know, and ship oh. uh, combat and stuff. So Black Flag always was like the one that I thought I would dabble in. But what, what do you? What, where, where? Give me an entry point for this series that might work. Um. Well, there's no ships in it, but I would say. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 and then Brotherhood and oh, there was three of them and I can't remember the other one but um part 2 and part 2 and a half and part 2 and 3 quarters um <laughs> cuz it was actually a part 3 that came out after those three um but anyway though like it takes place in like ancient Rome with mm-hmm. um the Vatican and the Pope and um just actual history historical events like they actually like rebuilt stuff the way that it would have been back then and they tell the stories from the history books and stuff but what really sells you on the gameplay is that there's no one way to do things like obviously you're an assassin you're going to assassinate people Mm -hmm. you can run in and have sword fights with all the guards and fight your way to your target or Mm -hmm. you can climb up the side of a wall and parkour your way and get into the 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 rafters and the roof and you know, end up falling from the sky down onto your opponent. And nobody knew you were there. And I love that part of the game. I'm in. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been like, do you remember um, long before Assassin's Creed, there was a game called Thief 
where it actually showed you like that. A, you remember there's a meter aware, that showed whether or not it, you're yeah. in the shadows and whether or not somebody could see <laughs> you and yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It's great, great. All right, any other games that you are dabbling in or maybe you have recently uh, picked up? No, but I'm excited for um, the uh, the new what is it, Evil Dead? Oh, yeah, that looks so good. I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. Oh, Bruce Campbell is the best, um, but they're they're bringing it to <laughs> bring it to a brand new game. So I'm excited about that. But yes. yeah, people are raving. People are or like, I don't know if reviews are in, but I feel like people are starting to um, critics and YouTubers are starting to get their hands on it. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is this is happening. If you if you can mix good zany sort of um horror and comedy together you know and do it well you know i think that's why the the old nightmare on elm street movies did so well oh my god (laughs) i love them nightmare on elm street (laughs) which one is dream warriors three or four four i think i think it was four that movie is so stupid and i love it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's still a horror movie but you're just you're just laughing all the way through it you can't take it seriously and evil dead has that well the the you know the one evil dead movie has that the one that became so iconic and i think that's part of what's in the game and i'm looking forward to it yes absolutely exciting (laughs) all right colette uh well you've been on vacation you promised us you swore on your very life that you would uh play some games even though you you'd been busy with work so what's uh how's it been going well i played a little i mean well a little i i played one thing a, a decent amount and i played a few other things a little but uh my one of my friends that was visiting whipped animal crossing back out she's never stopped oh, playing boy. it which is kind of cool to me. So I got to kind of peek and see, you know, like what another person's animal crossing game is like this deep into the game's life. And then I found out that she had never seen the like happy home designer stuff. So I showed her all that and she was just like, what? (laughs) Like she was still playing and like not even into any of that. I was like, that's cool to me that she didn't get, get that far, you know? I was going to say a thousand hours. Wait, did she have the DLC or no? No. So I got to be like, hold on and like, you know, pull it up and show her. And yeah, yeah. it was really, really, really cool. So I enjoyed that so much. Um, and so I played with her a little bit, but like I didn't I, I enjoyed like turning it on and, you know, like seeing the familiar sights and seeing my town again. But I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I got to I got to start playing again. Like it didn't give me that feeling. But. I did uh, somewhat unexpectedly decide, actually, no, I take it back. It was, I said, hey, have you played Tokyo Ghostwire? And she was like, oh, no, I don't know that. And so I got the chance to show it to her and then like let her try it from the beginning. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, I said to you, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep going. I feel like I'm not that into the story. Watching the story retold from the beginning made me kind of go, oh, Actually, I think I missed a detail or two. I'm going to go back. And since that's super interesting. Yeah. And so since then, I've actually gone back in and started like digging deep again and finding that there was a lot more to the story that I kind of like hadn't dug into, like not just the main story, but one shout out I really want to give is I think that this, uh, I think the side, the optional side quests of this game are some of the coolest 
that I've seen hmm. in a game in a really long time because you are finding spirits that are basically kind of not alive and not dead. And they're upset about something, a haunting, something was lost, etc. And basically by completing those side quests, you free those spirits. And some of their, some of their stories are like so good. <laughs> like for a side quest, like I've just had moments where I've been like, Oh, I love that storytelling. And so I was like, man, I, I really am glad because I could have walked away from this game and never given it another chance. And I'm so glad that that wasn't the case. That's not where it went. Yeah. That's, it's nice to share it with a friend and then re-experience something through it, through that lens and then be like, well, maybe, maybe there's more in there. And then the side quest stuff is, you know, they're different games, but, um, you know, people people love The Witcher Three. Like they obviously, it is one of the most acclaimed uh, RPGs of all time. But like, it is often said that like the main story is very cool and epic. But like the side quest, holy holy cow! There's have, so much going on. Yeah, like I haven't played a lot of games like that with like brilliant side quests. And so the last ones I really that come to mind. Oh my god, they're really old. Um, there was a game for the 360 back in 2007 called Lost Odyssey that Mistwalker made that I really, really loved. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And yeah, it was an optional thing that you could like unlock parts of the main character's story, and the main character was an immortal warrior, but you would unlock pieces of his memories from like, you know, over like hundreds and hundreds of years and they hmm. were so touching and so beautifully written and i never forgot them like never forgot hmm. them and they and that was just sort of side content yeah not the main yeah that's really that's yeah, cool it's cool when it sticks with you like that yeah it really was anyway so yeah i've been kind of digging around and enjoying that and i have not really played anything else since like you know like digging deep back in. So I was playing it before the podcast and I will be going back to play it after the podcast. She's back. What, what's it called? What's She's it called? Uh, Tokyo Ghostwire. It is Ghostwire Tokyo. Oh, you always do oh, that. I always Ghostwire do this. Tokyo. Yeah, I probably uh -huh. have dyslexia, but at any rate, um, <laughs> so Shinji Mikami of uh, Resident Evil fame, this is his first original IP since the Resident Evil series. And I was very excited to uh, to play it. And also, um, I just to be completely transparent, I love Japan and I love, love, love ghosts. So it's like this is just like right <laughs> on the border of being like a horror game, like right on the edge. So right up my alley and always. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just thinking like, I mean, most of the games historically come out of Japan anyway. Um, but, but like the, I don't know, like what you're describing and of course the final fantasy games and just some of the most vivid storytelling in video games have historically been, you know, these really brilliant Japanese games that end up getting translated over for us. Definitely. I mean, like I, I know for myself, like my love of games was absolutely built on Japanese games. Um, but I will say this, you know, I feel like as time has gone by, uh, I do think that American developers and for that matter, developers from every country have really found their voices and come forth. Like some of the really like most fascinating games I've played in like the horror genre lately, which is some of my favorites are games from like 
Indonesia and Thailand, like hmm. that are basically like adding in the like cultural, um, you know, uh, leanings of those of their own, um, you know, mythos, the things that, are, you know, their folktales, their horror. And I love it. Like, it's fascinating to me. So I think that the picture has gotten bigger in that way. But on the other hand, I also think that Japan to me, right. It's, it's truly the foundation of, of video games of where they, how, how they came to be. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, and just in the context of this episode, also fascinated by like, you've got games coming out of Japan in, in the earliest days of video games, you've got, you know, uh, Silicon Valley or California or whatever, the, the U S Western games coming out. And then you've got Japan and that's the industry for so long. And then here we are in the, in the mid, mid two thousands or whatever. And it's, and, and the, arguably the most important and influential game to ever be created, which is Minecraft. Uh, just, just some dude in Sweden, (laughs) just doing stuff like it's remarkable where the, the next big thing or the next important thing can just appear from anywhere on this earth. Thanks to, uh, the internet connecting us. Uh, so there's that. Um, any so that's okay so you're back you're back into ghostwire i love it I i'm know. glad you're I gonna see it all the way through this. <laughs> you there were other games that you were that you were ready to fire up but it sounds like you oh you were you gonna do near automata or is that sort of on the back burner uh, now? Uh, no 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 thank you for saying that i forgot i did start it and i did uh get through the intro and save right after like you get back to your home base and like you're kind of getting situated oh, yes. and then i got yep. distracted by ghostwire so that is where that, you, is, okay. that stands right now i think i think we're caught up from maybe from last time on that as well so okay but keep us posted if there's progress there you do you think you'll you'll continue i do actually um i just have to i think i have to get to a point where i'm like okay i don't feel like dark and scary tokyo tonight and i think that will be (laughs) the thing to get me there honestly i don't don't want dark and scary tokyo what do i need uh a post-apocalyptic robot world thank you look let's just let's just be honest like i like scary things on all levels (laughs) so like to me those two things are different Uh, I can't I can't uh, understand how you didn't get into Animal Crossing then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of things that are uh, scary and from Japan, uh, I I have to inform you that I am not quite ready to speak about Thirteen Sentinels: Aegis oh. Rim uh, that I have I have begun and made my way through. Um, I'll just leave it here, and I've said this in the Discord and such. Uh, I really like it. I really think it it is extraordinary and lives up to all the passion that the fans have shared about it. Um, despite me really not caring and not liking the uh, the idea of visual novels, uh, and I and I, I guess I I just the gameplay of the narr- of the visual novel narrative portions of this is simple. It's just like talk to this person, then say this thing. It's not. It doesn't yet feel like there are meaningful choices. I just feel like I am touching buttons to progress the story. And normally I I really don't like that. But this this story and the characters and the setting and the intrigue of it and what I know to be the the complexity and and grandeur of this story already, I can already see it unfolding. 
I am like, yeah, I, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do it. Um, I really like the con that's, it's, it's similar. I don't know if this analogy will hold up, but it's similar to, um, uh, three houses, fire Emblem three houses of like, meet your characters, get some story and then head out to a battle and then the, do the battle, level up your characters, then go back to the story. It's not quite one-to-one the way three houses was. And I don't fully understand how the story visual novel stuff is connected to the battles. Like I, I like I know how I know narratively why it's connected, but I, I would like to see some like, Oh, if I, if I unlock this story beat, then it will unlock some upgrade in the, in the battle. I don't know yet. I assume it will. But the battles are are interestingly like real time, but also you pause them, so you kind of action happens, and then it, and then when a character's turn is up, you, it pauses, and then you can choose their abilities, and it's, it happens on this very stylistic grid. Anyway, I, I don't want to go too further a- along with it, other than to say I'm liking this game a lot, even though it's a game I I am like deeply programmed not to like. And I'm also like very impressed with its presentation, like voice acting, menu design, control scheme, graphics. Uh, the switch port is outstanding. Like, I don't know. I'm, I've been burned by so many crappy switch ports and this is just m- such a beautiful game mm-hmm. in every dimension mm-hmm. that I'm like, wow, they did it. They really delivered on what they set out to do here and i'm very impressed and i'm committed to going further but i i hope to share more at a later time maybe if i get further along or or finish it i'm playing it very slowly yeah. what i will what i will touch on briefly uh since i know we're we're coming up on time here is um i <laughs> As as the proud owner of a of a fairly new steam deck i find myself mostly picking it up to either tinker with its settings or look at an endless catalog of steam games and say, I wonder if this would work on the steam. Deck. I wonder how this would work. I wonder if I could do this. And I don't know where I saw this, but a game that I played long ago that is was, and currently still is in early access. I noticed that it was either, it was like verified for steam deck or the developer had said, Hey, we made this work on the steam deck and i was like wow oh okay i could play this game that i really love it's a game called space haven uh it is in steam early early access and it's it's very far along it's very full featured i would recommend it highly to anyone who's interested in games like this uh don't let the early access tag uh dissuade you um and it has come a long way since i first played it so i was like oh i could get back into this because it's a mouse and keyboard game it's a it's a sort of pause and play real-time strategy kind of a thing very very akin uh and shares a lot of dna with Rimworld, my most favoritist game of all time in that you have colonists on a ship and you give them priorities and then it's a simulation so you, you sort of set things in motion and you tell them hey make sure you're growing food and make sure you build this uh this bed and make sure you build an engine here and go. And then you can kind of unpause the game and it plays out as a simulation. I I like to call these like ant colony games where you're not in control of the ants, but you tell them what to do. And um, the reason I love this is as well, you know, it's so much like RimWorld, but you're on a spaceship. So it combines, it's like RimWorld plus FTL, so you're on a spaceship and you're surviving on the spaceship, but then you 
hyperspace to the next planet or the next sector and anything could go down. So there could be a, a, a shipwreck there with lots of things to salvage and you can grab that at that stuff and turn it into valuable resources or you could be attacked by pirates or there could be a distress signal or there could be an asteroid to mine. And so it combines that sort of like ant colony simulation with like, I don't know what's coming when I go to the next room essentially Mm. and anything could go down here and you have to sort of be prepared and it's very spooky because you have to like get your crew and say all right get in your ship get or you know you're in a you're in the mothership and then get in your little explorer ship and go to this wreck and then you're going to dock at the shipwreck and when you get in there it's dark and spooky and there might be aliens there might be survivors (laughs) there might be no one so get to so be careful and it's and and like RimWorld and and other games like it it's like you've you've got four crew members and only one of them has the skill to uh you know grow food to keep you alive so if she dies from a pirate attack you're in big trouble uh and you got to make other plans from what you're doing and the stakes and the stress of that so I won't, you know, if you like RimWorld and Dwarf Fortress and these simulation games, Space Haven is uh, really, really excellent. It's an excellent implementation or execution of that beautiful pixel art graphics. It's like isometric. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because I I fell back into it because they implemented, the developer took the time to implement really, really good, intuitive, and thoughtful controller support for a mouse and keyboard game which then makes it extremely great to play on a handheld device like a steam deck and i wanted to just applaud this developer they're called bug bite um for taking the time to like appease all seven of us literally in this universe who are like you know this you know this mouse and keyboard game uh i want to play it with a controller please like most people don't care enough to do that, but like I have rediscovered this spectacular game because they did the work and it's not just like, oh yeah, move the mouse with the control stick. Good luck to you. No, they really took the time to make an intuitive way to enjoy this game. And now I'm playing, I now I'm playing 30, 50 more hours of it. Wow. Because I have it on this new form factor that I, that I care a lot about. That's and super so cool. Space Haven, check it out. Regardless of your um, device, uh, if if you have Steam uh, or a PC or whatever, uh, it's a really cool, special gripping. It's a gripping game if you like those sort of games. So I, I do recommend it. Yeah, I, I, had a very, I had a very strong love-hate relationship with Faster Than Light. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> oh, that, like you said, you know, you go to the next sector or the next room or whatever, and it's either nothing or something great, or your game's over now. Sorry. <laughs> your game, you're done. Yeah. You're done here. Yes. Yeah. But I, I do love but that the, stuff. So I definitely want to check it out. Check it out. The, the, it's, I guess it's the drama of that. When, when it's a very unfair and cruel, obviously it's discouraging, but the drama of like, oh no they took out our ship's computer and we're low on fuel and the 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 pilot is injured (laughs) but we somehow made it uh, out by the skin of our teeth and we made it to safety that is the stuff that i love about these types of games yeah it's it's it's, i I love the same a a very matt kind of game 
it sounds like. <laughs> Big bad Permadeath energy. On. Yes, exactly right. Um, that's it. I think we're, unless uh, Stuart or Colette, you have final thoughts about games or uh, where people can find you on the internet. Please share them now or forever hold your pieces. I feel like everyone knows where to find me on the internet, so I'm not going to repeat that information. <laughs> uh, um, my final thoughts on games? Oh, yes. <sighs> Are they good? <laughs> Are they good? Wow. <laughs> Um, wow. Way to round up, Matt. Yeah. Jur- journalism. Yeah. That's what we do here. Oh, have you got another hour and a half? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do we? Uh, you know, use, fill your need with games. Don't just do it because it's a mindless activity. Colette loves the horror genre. She gets into it. <laughs> Matt loves like figuring these things out. Do that. I I play in 20 minute doses because that's all I have. And it's a good entertainment <laughs> to get my mind off of the stuff I'm doing. My son needed motor control um, therapy. And I put a, a Wii controller with a steering wheel in his hand. And he did that. Like so many people are just so vague about video games as being a source of violence or mind numbing you know, stop your brain from working or whatever. But it, are games good? Yes, they are. <laughs> if if you are filling those core needs, like if you use it as the tool that it can be on my server, kids are learning how to read and write and be friends and be good to each other and building the best community that you've ever seen in your entire life in a video game because that is the purpose for it. And that's why they go there. So, yeah, yeah it's game games are a wonderful wonderful thing if you're using them properly yeah agreed amen bravo well said we did it <laughs> we did it Stuart duncan thank you so thank very you, much Stuart. for spending your evening with us we really appreciate it thank you guys for having me on a lot of fun good good we are going to link to your site and your server information and your patreon in the show notes and uh we've shared a lot of your information in our discord already so uh we look forward to uh you know maybe sending a few interested parties your way uh in the coming not like you need them you know you've got enough going on but <laughs> i'm already uh, so busy no it's it's good stuff it's great and appreciated <laughs> excellent uh we will chat with you in one week's time uh we've got some other cool guests lined up and some other good conversations about uh interesting video game topics so as always you know where to find us get into the show notes come into the discord server that's probably the best way to uh hang out with our community but you can also find us on twitter and uh you can send us an email all those links are right down there and uh we look forward to chatting with you very soon Thanks, guys.